Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. Hey, we know you're listening to this podcast because you're interested in a pharmacy career. Keck Graduate Institute in Claremont, California offers a doctor of pharmacy degree that will prepare you for the ever-increasing, diverse role that pharmacists play in providing healthcare. Unlike your standard PharmD, KGI offers unique certificates in four specialized areas, plus 10 different experiential rotations and unlimited connections within the pharmaceutical industry. KGI even offers a six-year accelerated PharmD for those of you coming directly from community college. Applications are still open for fall 2022. Learn more at kgi.edu slash PharmD. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we have Jeff McDonald on the show. So Jeff McDonald obtained a PharmD from Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in 2019. After graduation, he entered CMC Regulatory Sciences at Regeneron Pharmaceuticals for two years, and currently Jeff is a manager in Regulatory Policy and Intelligence at Beijing. So Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Alexi. Happy to be here. So on today's episode, I'm really excited to have Jeff because this kind of provides an opportunity to have a really important discussion, which I think a ton of listeners will get value from. And that topic is breaking into industry without a fellowship. So far, all of my guests have been either current first or second year fellows. And in a lot of those episodes, we've kind of touched on the possibility of not obtaining a fellowship and backup plans that we had when we were applying. But on this episode, Jeff is going to provide a new perspective where he opted not to pursue a fellowship and instead was successful in obtaining a full-time role immediately after graduation. I know this is a topic a lot of you listeners have considered. It's something I considered uh, when I was making this decision this decision myself. Uh, so hopefully this episode can provide some insight on the factors that Jeff weighed when making his deci- decision. So with that being said, let's get right into the interview. Jeff, let's start with some background on yourself. Where are you from? What made you decide to go to pharmacy school? Yeah, um, excellent place to start. So I am from a small town in North Country, New York, uh, Watertown, New York, right up against the uh, uh, border with Canada. Um, So a very, very small town. But one of the benefits of a small town is that uh, working in a pharmacy like I did in high school, the pharmacists are, you know, real pillars of the community. You know, you know all the patients. Uh, people can come to you. You're a very uh, trusted, knowledgeable, you know, resource for people. And that's a place where I really saw myself um, in the future. You know, another aspect that drew me to pharmacy was the opportunity to kind of gain in-depth, but also broad knowledge. You know, there's so much about drugs, but then there's so many different drugs, right? And um, I found that endlessly fascinating uh, to learn about. And, you know, the process of pharmacy school at the time of you know, graduating high school, what are you going to do after that? Um, the pharmacy school setup made a lot of sense to me. And so altogether, yeah, it, drew, it seemed like a place where, yeah, I could find a lot of a lot of success and see myself uh, being a pharmacist. Awesome. Yeah, that those are a lot of the same reasons why I decided to go to pharmacy school. So 
Okay, so you decided to go to pharmacy school. You made that decision. So when you were in pharmacy school, what sorts of activities were you involved in and what were really your major interests back then? Yeah, so, you know, my interest definitely shifted over the course of pharmacy school, right? Um, in college, that age, you know, uh, not to sound like I'm so old, but um, it's really, that's the time for self-discovery, for experimenting with different things, for trying, you know, looking at what's available and really deciding the course of your life, right? And some of the things that I discovered, um, the interests that I had were, you know, I'm always drawn to or often drawn to things that are a little less well-known, um, even things that are completely new, uh, things that are a little, you know, off the beaten path. Um, I found a lot of, uh, it piqued my curiosity there. And that's when I discovered industry because at, um, at ACPHS, you know, clinical pharmacy, community pharmacy, bread and butter, um, lots of resources, lots of alumni, lots of programs and involvement there. But then, um, you know, our IPHO chapter was very young um, during during my time. Uh, nobody knew what it was. And uh, every chance I got to interact with the people who did know about industry, it just drew me in, drew me in further. And um, I was lucky enough to be able to come the v to become the VP of our school's chapter of IPHO. And during that time, I was able to set up uh, two rotations, two APPEs, right? Um, one in CMC program management in Regeneron and one in regulatory affairs, uh, strategy and labeling also with Regeneron. And, you know, that, um, yeah, that's, that's really, that whole process really sparked that, that interest. And I just moved towards, you know, looking where, where is, where's everybody else going? Everybody's going this route. It's like, all right, well, what's over here? Um, and I found a, found a lot of success there. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's definitely a story that I think you hear a lot of students that go through pharmacy school. Your your ideas and perspective changes so much as you get as you go through pharmacy school. Um, and that definitely happened to me as well. So great, great to hear that. And so, okay, you were involved in IPHO. Uh, you set up those rotations, but at what point during pharmacy school, if you can think back, did you really decide that you were going to pursue a career in the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was definitely an evolving process. And I'm not sure if I would say I had a definitive moment, like, you know, May 12th this year, like, that's when I decided that this is what I'm going to do. And I stuck to it. You know, that's um, not exactly my mode of thinking. You know, I'm, I like to think of myself as very flexible, able to see multiple different paths, multiple different options. Um, and I really kept my mindset open through throughout pharmacy school, um, but with, you know, list, list of priorities, you could say, um, industry was always at the top, right? Um, and, you know, in the process of setting up those rotations, um, you know, it wasn't an easy process. Um, and it was, it took a lot of initiative and follow up and uh, reaching out and discussing with people on my own, um, or, you know, with limited help, not just say, picking from a list of rotations, right? And, um, just that process of making those connections, which was really expanding my own network, right? Building those skills and, um, and getting to know people and, you know, they have a need, you have a need. How do you, how do you meet that to get to a particular goal or something that you think will be valuable, right? Um, just that whole process, which is essential to any industry career, um, that, that really 
solidified that this is the place where I'm going to get a lot of value. And that encouraged me, you know, at each, at each of those points to keep, keep going with it. You know, I was, I was never discouraged at any point, even during challenging times, it felt like, no, I'm, I'm growing through these challenges or I'm doing something new. I'm not just, um, you know, face down, focused on something. It's like, this is really a place. This, this is really bringing me forward, me and my future. And yeah, I'm lucky enough to say that I think I was right. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like you were right. Um, okay. So you were going through your rotations. Sounds like you were definitely keeping an open mind. Um, that's something that we've discussed a lot on the show too, just keep an open mind and you might end up loving industry or hating industry, but either way, it, it's better to get that experience and know for sure. Right. Um, but how quickly then did you make the decision not to pursue a fellowship and instead focus on pursuing an entry level role right out of graduation? And what would you say were the factors that pushed you to kind of, you know, skip that fellowship route that so many people end up taking? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, multiple colleagues during my rotations, uh, brought up the possibility of, going into a direct industry role. And that's where I really started to take that option seriously. You know, up until that point, um, you know, I'd heard it bandied about as like a backup plan, right? But usually people would say that, but they were themselves fellows. And so they didn't do that backup plan. So there weren't a lot of details on it. And so I just thought, okay, that's something people say, but it's not, nobody could really ever do that, right? Um, And of course I found out that's not true. you know, one of my preceptors, um, Jackie Grimaldi, she actually entered industry without a fellowship, right? So the first real person that I met who did that and speaking with her on her experience, um, you know, gaining that, that mentorship and that viewpoint was absolutely essential um, to really opening, opening my mind to something being possible. Um, my other preceptor, Elizabeth Bradley, I owe a lot to her as well for really, um, for many things, but also uh, giving me a look into the structure of a company, right? Or like, you know, what is a corporate role? What is the structure? What are, what are these terms like manager, associate director, um, lead? You know, what do all these things mean? Um, which you don't get in pharmacy school and is a little hard to piece together unless you're unless you're in there, unless you're in the organization. Right. And, um, yeah, taking, taking all that in really, um, let me see that there are still, um, even with pharmacy being so specialized, there's still multiple routes. And by the time graduation approached, I actually had, um, multiple routes to choose from, um, that direct to industry was, was one of, and it spoke to, spoke to so much in my experience up to that point that, yeah, I'd say um, as far as how quickly, I mean, as quickly as, I, as the decision was done, right? Um, so right till right till the end. Right. That's really interesting that you said that, you know, I think you mentioned Jackie was the first person that you met in industry and, you know, Jackie did not do a fellowship. And that's kind of what sparked that gear in your in your mind. And that kind of makes me think back to the first couple of people that I met in industry and now I'm starting to realize like, oh yeah, a lot of those people did do a fellowship. So maybe that's kind of what shaped my decision to go that route. So it's it's interesting how the people that you meet so early on kind of shape the next couple of years of your life and the, begin- the beginning of your career, really. 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, an idea that I've heard before is, you know, we're often used to thinking of ourselves as individual, maybe like atoms or little bubbles, right, in the world, knocking up against each other, right? Um, but something I've learned is that we're really more like um, a bunch of Venn diagrams, right? And we're the crossover of all the other people and experiences in our lives. And we're, we're there in the center. We're not the bubble. The bubble's everything in between. Um, and yeah, really taking that all in, I think, um, allows for, allows you to, yeah, take a holistic approach to the people in, in your life and, uh, yeah, decide where, where you're going to fit in best. Yeah. That was a very beautiful way of saying that really just the Venn diagram example. That's really interesting. And yeah, it kind of does show the point that you are kind of the product of all the experiences and people that you've met along the way. Right. So that's super interesting. Cool. So, um, okay. So you had these experiences and then, so actually before you even started applying for jobs, how did you go about learning the different available roles in industry, whether it's the different functional areas that were available and the types of entry level roles that you could feasibly apply for? Right now, this, uh, this is definitely a difficult question and it's going to be dif- or different for whichever area you want to go into. And there's a couple different ways um, that you could go about learning um, what roles are viable options. Right. Um, you know, for me, again, I learned a lot from my preceptors and from my mentors and really um, there were times looking through, looking through listings, looking through job descriptions of jobs that were out there. Right. And, looking at it and think and going back and forth with them. It's like, Oh, this is like this, this is like this that I did. This is like, um, this other thing that I know, or, Oh, this seems, um, this lines up with, uh, something else that we learned or, um, and having someone that's knowledgeable, uh, like that is, you know, priceless in that whole process. Um, but you know, say you don't have that. Um, there are, there are other ways to, uh, to learn what's out there. Right. Um, so LinkedIn, I know we're all probably on LinkedIn, right. And it's a little, a little bit of an awkward social media type of place. You know, everybody's got the stories that are there that, okay. Um, maybe that's not your speed, but, um, it actually is an incredibly valuable resource to have in terms of learning about, uh, what pathways people have gone down and you can see on, you know, just search PharmD and look at what company they're at and you can see their history and, and piece together something there. And I mean, maybe not everybody's comfortable doing that, but um, that can be a valuable insight to get to see, say, okay, a lot, I see a lot of people are going into a manager role now looking at say the listings in that department that they have up on their own website, on their careers page or their LinkedIn page. Okay. Well, I'm seeing some that say like senior associate, or I'm seeing some that say specialist or something, and that appears to be more junior people on the LinkedIn page, right? That's something takes a little bit of analysis. Um, you can also take my word for it, right? But, um, you know, looking at within a department, those are the kinds of keywords that, um, you know, point you to, okay, this is, this is an entry level thing. This is someone with, um, doesn't necessarily need a tremendous amount of experience to go into um, right after and can really can build that experience, which PharmDs are 
suit are well suited to do right like that that's why fellowships are so successful because farmdees are so able to absorb and learn things and get up to speed that's true whether you're in a program or not uh and yeah finding finding a role that speaks to what you've done what you know what you're good at um that's where that's where you're going to find success awesome yeah no that's great advice um I think the LinkedIn tip is great. I think for people that have listened to a lot of my episodes, I think LinkedIn has come up in literally every single episode. We're we're going for a record, actually, the amount of times we can bring up LinkedIn. But yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said. And I'm kind of curious now, when you started applying for these jobs, were you pretty confident that you would be able to land a role in industry? Because you know, we mentioned earlier how in the past we discussed backup plans uh, for me like you just mentioned, for me, applying to a full-time role was kind of a backup plan if I did not get a fellowship. And a lot of people have said that on the show, but did you also have a backup plan when, when you were applying or did you really feel confident that you would land a role? Yeah. So, you know, the question of confidence and mentality, right? Um, you know, if you had spoken to me in, uh, what is it, the first half of 2019, right, before graduation, when uh, anticipating getting a job and finishing up rotations and that whole stressful time, I would not have been half as articulate as I might seem now. Right. Um, so as far as confidence, I mean, bravery, courage, that's what you find after you achieve something that you were scared to death of doing, um, or thought that was impossible. Right. Um, and it can feel, um, it can feel overwhelming and that's completely normal because your first job, it's a big decision no matter what. So yeah, I mean, confident that I would land a role. I mean, actually, no, I mean, it, it, there's no guarantees, right? Um, that's going back to my earlier point of, of being flexible, right? Of um, going to the, the beauty of pharmacy is there are so many different types of roles, right? Different um, routes to go um, industry and otherwise. And that's, that's an advantage that our degree program has. And we can, you know, use that for when it's necessary, which it just might be because as we've learned um, in the last several years that, you know, these things, these things aren't predictable, but um, but it's important to prepare. And um, you you mentioned um, the backup plan, right. And, uh, and you got a fellowship, right. Uh, So, you know, fellowships come in, if I'm not mistaken, like December, January, right? Um, now, a full-time role, you can't apply to a full-time role in that in January or early that part of the year for when you intend to graduate in, say, May, right? That's not how um, regular hiring works. So it's, it is a backup, but in a way, um, the timing when you would be applying to those full-time positions is a little bit later, Um, and they might be, there might be totally different things out there at that point. So, um, you know, you get kind of like another crack at it, um, in a way. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent true. I'm really glad that you brought that up because that did happen to a lot of people that I know that went through the fellowship process, didn't get anything. And then later on, a few months later, sometimes even new fellowships pop up during that time. And if not, that's when you can start applying to those full-time role. So you're right. It is like, it's kind of a backup mentally, but at the same time, it's just another opportunity because the timing fortunately works out that way. Um, so yeah. So, okay. So when you started applying, you mentioned you had those experiences in regulatory when you were in pharmacy school, 
you're in regulatory now, right? So when you were applying for a role, were you aiming for regulatory specifically, or were you looking just to apply for as many entry-level roles as you could? Yeah, so I definitely, um, in applying to uh, entry-level positions, I did take a more targeted route towards regulatory, but there's a couple different roles, right? So, you know, my experience, um, my two rotations, CMC program management, regulatory affairs strategy, and labeling, right? But then my first job after graduation is kind of combines those two in the name of the department, right? CMC regulatory sciences. And that, um, that combination, looking back on it now, I mean, it almost seems too obvious, right? That of course, this is the next one. It's, 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 it's building on both of these. And I did find a lot of success there for that reason, but it didn't seem as obvious then. Um, so, you know, I knew I had an interest in regulatory. I knew I had, um, a background and interest in CMC in that world. And yeah, just seeing a role that, that spoke to both of those, um, that allowed me to build on both of those. Um, I was very lucky to find that. Um, now I also going back to my earlier point about self-discovery, um, you know, knowing what you're interested in doesn't necessarily have to be, um, this department or that department. It could be, you know, these types of job features or this, um, this style of work. Right. And that kind of, you have to familiarize yourself with, with that to some extent, like, do you like a fast paced environment? Do you like one where you can, uh, go into depth and detail on something, maybe a little more patient. Um, you like something that is, uh, you know, submission driven or something that, um, is driven by say like a conference schedule or, um, questions coming from healthcare providers, right? Um, you know, these sorts of general categories can steer you in a way. Um, and that you could even say list out, maybe you have 10 things, right? And then you're looking for a job. One of them meets seven out of 10. One of them meets six or something like that. Um, and then you can make a decision that way because there's no, there's no perfect job, but there's also no uh, permanent job, right? Like you're going to grow and you're going to probably change companies, probably change roles. And that's normal these days. That's normal in this environment. And um, yeah, if you know what you're looking for, you can find it. Yeah, no, that's phenomenal advice, especially now that I'm in industry, you know, full-time as a fellow. Um, a lot of what you're saying really heads home, kind of making a list of what type of work do you want to do, kind of figure that out first, and then start looking at the different functional areas that are available. That makes complete sense to me now that I look back to when I was making those decisions. Um, so great. So you knew you wanted regulatory. Um, you had experience going in. So how easy or difficult did you find it to to get that role that you ended up landing? Yeah. So, you know, again, at the time, it felt like the hardest thing I'd ever done, right? Because it is your first job. You're graduating. You're entering the world, the real world, the world where there's no safety net. There's nothing underneath you. Um, there's no, nobody you can go and, you know, advocate for yourself for say, you know, like say, okay, this is too hard. I can't go to work today. Like that's, you know, that's not how the world is. So that made it a very daunting task, but, um, you know, going back to combining the experience I had at that point, it felt like a very natural progression and, I can recall during 
during that time, I was interviewing for multiple different uh, types of roles, right? And, uh, you know, I know we get this uh, advice all the time that you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you, right? Um, which I never took that seriously when I was, uh, you know, during during all those interviews and mid-year and all that. But it really is true that, um, you know, if you walk away from an interview and you felt like they weren't people that you want to see again, um, you're probably right. And you probably wouldn't like working there and that's okay. Um, but say, I know for the role I ultimately went with in regulatory sciences, I mean, it just happened to be a sunny day, but I walked out of the building after the interviews and I, it just felt like, okay, yeah, the sun is shining. Like this is kind of clarified for me that, all right, here's where I need to go. And yeah, so Again, I couldn't have predicted that before until after I did it, right? Um, but again, keeping an open mind, building on the strengths you have, the experiences you have, that's where you're going to find that progression that can eventually, you know, open your eyes and feel like where you're supposed to be. Hey, we know you're listening to this podcast because you're interested in a pharmacy career. Keck Graduate Institute in Claremont, California offers a Doctor of Pharmacy degree that will prepare you for the ever-increasing, diverse role that pharmacists play in providing healthcare. Applications are still open for fall 2022. Learn more at kgi.edu slash pharmd. So let's fast forward a little bit. I think the listeners have a good understanding of your mindset and where you were at back at the time when you were applying. So let's fast forward to basically... Now that you're several years into your career, do you regret at all not pursuing a fellowship? Um, I know that's probably kind of a tough question because you'll never know what would have happened. You know, there's a million paths that you could take, like like you said, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this because that's something that I considered a little bit too when I was making that, that choice. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as far as regret, I mean, you know, I remember, um, you know, there were fellowship programs that turned me down, right? Ones that I really wanted, um, like anyone experiences, right? And that was very difficult. But looking back now at this point, I wouldn't, I really couldn't have it any other way. Um, you know, and that's something I'm very at peace with and also very thankful for because, you know, the progress that I had, the experiences that I had, what led me from um, my rotations and then into my first job, they all they all built on built on each other, and I really um, was able to push for them, you know, uh, with a lot of support around me. But um, it it was a lot of effort that I poured myself into, right? And I kind of built that program, you know, out of really, you know, out of air, right? Um, finding those rotations, finding mentors who took an interest in me and in advocating for me, and in uh, you know teaching me things and how to become a professional and that, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's priceless. And that's, um, allowed me to gain a career that's not only rewarding, but fulfill, but also fulfilling and allows me to, you know, really take ownership of the experiences I've had. And, um, yeah. And even after, you know, even after CMC regulatory sciences, right. I've transitioned to Beijing in regulatory policy and intelligence, right? And, um, you know, that pivot was also a challenge. Uh, I had to think a little bit outside the box, you know, leaving Regeneron, a company I'm familiar with, 
um, and taking on something new. But again, I like things that are new. I like things that are less well-known. Uh, I like areas where I'm able to get that in-depth knowledge and working right alongside the regulatory strategist in the intelligence role um, and being able to be a part of you know examining new policies that come out and how they affect the company. This is something that, again, in pharmacy school, never heard of it before. But looking at it then, uh, or, you know, when I decided to make the move, it was, it's, it, it was, again, almost clear as day. Like, this is where I am meant to be. Um, interviewing with the team, it's like, this is where I am meant to work. Um, and yeah, I've had, I've had a great time since. Awesome. That's great to hear that. And yeah, I think that just goes to show everyone really does have their own path, right? And like you said, you you can't have it any other way because everything that's happened and the reason you are where you are today is because of the the way in which the events unfolded, right? So um, I think that's definitely important for uh, students that are listening to keep in mind as they're getting ready to go through the process. Um, so speaking of those students, what advice would you give to all the students that are listening that are considering doing what you did, which was pursue a, a direct to industry route rather than the fellowship route? Yeah. So um, this is a question that I really like because, you know, I, I love giving advice and I, I like coming up with little stories that I hope are helpful. Um, but again, one, one thing to know is that, you know, really advice from me is really a reflection on my own life, right? And, you know, some of this may not even be relevant for you. Your path may be completely different. Um, and that's okay too. Um, so I would say, you know, as part of the maybe first piece of advice is to just um, open up your mind a little bit. You know, there is no single right path. And, you know, there's multiple options that are available out in the world. And they're all ones that you that you can choose from. Uh, and you can position yourself in the path that will be right for you. And that might be that might have to change based on things that are outside your control, right? But um, you know, think of the past, going back to the question about regret, huge past, lots of decisions there, um, things that maybe I'd do differently, right? Think about the future, right? A lot of things we can't predict, things I would like to happen certain ways. Um, now there's all that to think about, worry about, right? But the area that we live in, the area where we can make decisions in, um, is the present, right? Which is much narrower, which is much smaller. There's only so many things that are in front of us. And I think, um, having that perspective, you know, can't control the past, can't control the future. We can only control what's, what's next. Um, that also helped clarify things for me in a lot of ways. It's, it really cleared a lot of the excess, uh, that excess worry and yeah, lets you, lets you move forward. Yeah. That's a great way of, of phrasing that kind of all the decisions you've made in the past, all the decisions that are still available to you. But I really like how you said, just focus on exactly what's happening at this moment. And that kind of makes everything feel a lot less random and scrambled and kind of puts everything in perspective. I really like that. Yeah. There's one um, sort of sociological principle I heard once. Um, I think it's called the Thomas theorem. And it's uh, if you believe it, then it is real. And that might sound a bit nonsensical, right? You know, 
because science isn't like that. You have to find what's real. But thinking about, um, you know, if you believed that you were in danger, you would feel anxious, you would feel scared. But if you believed that you're not in danger, then you wouldn't feel that way. Um, but in either case, it, we are not asking about what's really going on around you, whether you are, whether there is something to worry about or not, it's how you feel about it. And that perception, that's going to color all of the decisions that you make, all of the actions that you take in the world, all of the things that you do have control over. And I think th that was a real shift in perspective that has only kind of come recently, but I hope um, people out there, maybe, maybe that'll help reframe things in what I know is a, a trying time. Yeah, definitely. That is very similar to a saying that um, I really believe in strongly, which is just speaking things into existence. Mm. Um, that's something that I've have, you know, had in the back of my mind for probably the last decade of my life. And I think it's really helped me out a lot, especially in these sorts of situations where things seem like they're so difficult and so challenging to, to get through or prepare for or overcome. But I really believe in the, in the concept of, you know, if you speak things out loud and tell people what you're going to do, then, then you will do it. Um, so that just might be another, another saying that might be helpful to people that are listening. Yeah. Yeah. I like the point about, um, about overcoming different things, you know, um, again, I, this is something that actually came to me, um, what, like in the middle of the night and not to sound like I'm some, you know, Eureka genius or anything, but it just, a a thought that appeared to me in a dream or whatever was, um, you know, think of life like a set of stairs, right? There's the vertical portion and there's the horizontal portion, right? And the horizontal say is the time in between different challenges. So I know for me, I was used to thinking of, um, you know, going through school, it's like, there's this exam and then there's the time in between and then there's going to be the next one. And there's gonna be the next one and there's gonna be this day of work. There's going to be the next, um, time. And then the next project, the next interview, as the vertical, right? And then there's the time in between. And I just really wanted to stay on the horizontal, on the time in between and not do anything, right? Now, um, I, like I thought that that flat part, that rest time, that was the end that I was trying to get to, that these other things were just a means toward. Now consider that perhaps this is exactly backwards and it's, the challenges that are the end and the time in between is really better spent as, you know, rest is important, but also time preparing for the next challenge for the next kind of job you're going to have for the next kind of interview you're going to have. You're going to be a little bit better for the next, um, you know, the next exam, you're going to be a little bit smarter because of that time in between, but you can't stay in the flat part, right? The purpose is to go up the stairs and not to be dragged up the stairs. Um, I, I thought that was potentially an uplifting frame of thought, you know, that it is your life and it's, it's up to you to make that vertical climb. Yeah. That's a fantastic metaphor. Um, reminds me of another saying that I've heard, which is just enjoy the process, right? Because mm -hmm. like you've said, try to get to those horizontals, which are rest periods and everyone always works hard to try to get that 
rest reward and and you should enjoy that rest period once you've overcome something or done something challenging but at the same time you're right it is preparation for the next big thing you just don't really know that you've overcome the next big thing until after the fact that you've already done it right and then look at looking back you can identify all these points in your life where you've been climbing those vertical steps absolutely yeah and again these are things that i only have realized a little bit more recently but um you know, another piece of advice that I think a lot of students could benefit from is is to not be so hard on yourself. Um, you know, going back to there were positions I applied to that I didn't get, right? That's a normal process, right? I think even IPHO has published uh, data on this that fellowships are something like uh, 80%, 20%, you know, 80% don't get one of fellowship applicants, right? It might even be more. Um, so this is a normal thing, but it's almost, at least for me, it was almost unthinkable. It's like, I can't really consider that as a real possibility, um, because that would mean that I'm a failure. That would mean that I'm inadequate. That would mean all these horrible things, but that's not true. You know, if you don't get one job that you apply for, even if you really like it, it's not like they send you to jail. You know, it's not like your life's over. It's not like you can't apply to a different one that perhaps was even better. And, you know, all that time on judging yourself or worrying and feeling bad is not as necessary. Um, and that's, that's a easier said than done, right? Of course, from several years out, but, um, you know, yeah, when you're, when you're looking at big decisions like this, it's important to take it seriously, but also enter the world with a bit of a light heart, you know, one door closes, one door opens, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. That statistic with the fellowships that I had heard that before applying to fellowships too. And I remember that honestly really scaring me as well. Um, but IPHO also has another statistic and I I don't remember the percentage off the top of my head. I wish I did, but basically it's the percentage of PharmDs in industry who did not do a fellowship. Uh, and it's a very high number. It's probably like three quarters or more of all PharmDs in industry actually got in without doing a fellowship. So that was something that I also saw at the time. And that also gave me perspective and, and hope that sure, getting a fellowship is challenging. But to be honest, most people that apply don't get one. And yet a lot of these individuals still end up making their way into the industry. So just for students listening, just keep that in mind as well. As well. Right. And, and maybe your time isn't right after graduation, maybe a few years of a different role before pivoting back to industry, again, you'll be that much more seasoned. You'll have overcome that many more challenges in that role before then coming back as potentially much more valuable candidate. Um, and you'll know more about yourself, about working, about the world. Um, and if that's right for you, if that new role that you discover is right for you, um, then you're a lot more likely to, to find success with it. And yeah, you know, careers are, long and winding things. Um, it's not just one straight line. You have to decide at this age or you might as well give up. That's just not true. Um, so yeah, just keep an open mind, find, um, where your strengths are, where your skills are, where your values are, and, you know, keep pushing towards that. And that's, that's how you create work and life. That's, that's meaningful. Couldn't agree more. Um, 
I have a feeling that a lot of those people listening right now, a lot of students listening are really enjoying these pieces of advice just because honestly, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, wow, this is such great advice. So um, I have to ask not, not to put pressure, but do you have any other pieces of advice that you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah. Um, you know, so again, I, I knew this question would be my favorite question because it's uh, I get to throw in all of my metaphors um, that I love. Um I guess one final piece of advice that um, might be a bit more fun um, than any of the others, really, um, things like certain resources like Strength Finder. Um, uh, Alexa, you might have heard of Strength Finder. It's very common in a lot of workplaces. Um, but the whole point of that is to identify where your strengths are, like, say, communication or uh, collaborating with people or insight or, you know, there's all different ones. Um, finding where your strengths are, building on those, and you'll have an easier time, you know, getting better at your job. And um, it, it applies to other things too. And then finding associates that complement that and you'll have good collaborations with them. And, it, and the, the program kind of gives you ideas about how to do that. Um, and I think there's free versions online perhaps. Um uh, you know, that's a, that's a helpful tool, even if, you know, don't think that all oh, the strengths it gives you, that's who you are forever, right? That's not the case, but it at least gives you some vocabulary, some thoughts of some ideas of things you can do that might be of interest, or maybe that sounds like, sounds like a good idea, a good way to, um, yeah, step up, step out of the box. Um, and that's Strength Finder, you know, other things like the Enneagram, or those Myers-Briggs, you know, those personality tests with the letters like INFJ and stuff like that. Um, you know, those things, again, not prescriptive, like, oh, you are this, right? Whatever the result of the test is, but having some ideas or language around, okay, someone like this might be in this kind of thought pattern, or these are things, these are patterns of thought to watch out for that are going to keep you stuck, right? Um, even just being aware of that can be tremendously helpful in, you know, preventing yourself from getting stuck or finding the next way to overcome a challenge, right? Um, so some of these, again, if you have time, are things to things to explore and at least, um, yeah, get a sense of maybe where you are and where where to go forward. Definitely, yeah. I've heard I've heard Strengths Finder and Myers Briggs. Those are the two that I have heard a lot of people in the industry bring up. Um, I know I know some companies I've even heard give to their employees like these colored blocks or whatever that they can put on their desk after they've taken these sorts of tests. And the idea is to kind of show the diversity in terms of like thinking and different strengths that are available in the office. Um, my company does not do that, but that's just something that I've heard about before. And you you talking about this reminded me of that. So yeah, thanks. I think that's definitely action that listeners can take now is to take those tests and kind of maybe it'll get them thinking about possible uh, career options that would suit the things that they're naturally good at. Uh, so exactly. Yep. So thank you so much for all of the great advice. I loved listening to it. So I'm sure a lot of the listeners did as well. Um, and then just to conclude, where can listeners find you if they want to reach out to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, one piece I wanted to talk to as well is the importance of, you know, finding mentors and resources. You know, I talk about, I talked a lot about my own mentors and how important they were um, and are to me. 
Um, you know, and say, say people don't have that, um, you know, reaching out to people. I know it can be an awkward thing, but it also, maybe you reach out to 10 people and nine don't respond. And one says, no, well, that one person could change your life. Um, that one person could be essential to, you know, the role that, that you need and that will, um, that'll suit you best. So, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I hope, uh, we can maybe include a link with the post of, um, of the episode, but like Jeff A. McDonald, MAC, uh, PharmD on, on LinkedIn, you'll see me, um, regulatory policy and intelligence at Beijing. Um, yeah, definitely always happy to help students, always happy to, um, provide advice, you know, and also resources like this, like IPHO, even if you don't have a chapter, start a chapter or reach out to chapter members, right? You know, the whole organization and everyone in there, they all know about these things um, and can be tremendous resources too. So yeah, I'm always happy to help. I know, um, uh, and Alexi, I'm sure you help a lot by hosting pieces like like this to, yeah, give different viewpoints and insights. Um, So yeah, feel free to, I'll speak for myself, feel free to reach out. Um, I hope I can do the best I can. Great. Thank you. And, and yeah, me as well. So reach out to Jeff or, or myself on LinkedIn. Um, if you have questions or just want to chat, get some advice, uh, we're both happy to help. And uh, with that being said, I, I hope everyone listening enjoyed the episode. Um, so we'll see you in the next episode. And Jeff, thanks again so much for being on the show. Thank you, Alexi. Have a day. Bye-bye. Hey, we know you're listening to this podcast because you're interested in a pharmacy career. Keck Graduate Institute in Claremont, California offers a doctor of pharmacy degree that will prepare you for the ever-increasing, diverse role that pharmacists play in providing healthcare. Unlike your standard PharmD, KGI offers unique certificates in four specialized areas, plus 10 different experiential rotations and unlimited connections within the pharmaceutical industry. KGI even offers a six-year accelerated PharmD for those of you coming directly from community college. Applications are still open for fall 2022. Learn more at kgi.edu slash farmd.